Welcome to the show Unburden Your Health. This show brings experts and insights on what really works when it comes to improving health and well-being. A stroke or commonly known as a paralytic attack is a medical emergency. After a stroke, it feels like the clock starts ticking. Hours, even minutes, delayed medical attention can change a patient's life. Traditional thinking says that a part of the brain starved of blood for five minutes or more will die. But developments have shown that everyone responds differently to a stroke and the length of progression time differs sometimes by hours and even days in some cases. To delve into this topic further, my guest today is the renowned neurologist, Dr. Shirish Hastak. Dr. Hastak has an experience spanning close to three decades and he has pioneered uh, the hyper-acute stroke management to help patients in acute stroke settings. He continues to pursue his passion currently at Global Hospital in the field of acute stroke management and plans to set up a stroke institute. Welcome to the show, Dr. Hastak. Thank you. Thank you, Sanjay. Thank you for those kind words. So, uh, I think people, you know, commonly refer to a stroke as commonly as a paralytic attack, but maybe if you could define what really is a stroke and what causes a stroke and if there are different types of strokes that people should be aware of. Right. Uh, basically, you know, stroke is a blood vessel block or a rupture of the blood vessel in the brain. And, and so, of course, uh, you know, if it's a blood vessel block, it's called an ischemic stroke. That means there is less blood going into the brain. And if it's a blood vessel rupture, then of course there is excess blood in the brain. But both of them are strokes. And of course, there is a rare type of stroke which happens because of rupture of the blood vessel in the coverings of the brain. And that's called a subarachnoid hemorrhage. But it is a type of stroke. So essentially, uh, there are three types of strokes. Ischemic stroke, which is a blood vessel block in the brain. A hemorrhagic stroke, which is a blood vessel rupture inside the brain. And then you have another type of stroke, which is a blood vessel rupture in the coverings of the brain. So that is called a subarachnoid hemorrhage. So you're essentially talking okay. about these three types of strokes. And uh, uh, is it important to know uh, what type of stroke it is, whether it's an ischemic stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke? And would you be able to tell us in your experience, what is the incidence of an ischemic stroke and what is the incidence of a hemorrhagic stroke? Right. You know, a stroke, uh, basically, you know, it is, you know, one in four in their lifetime will get a stroke. So it's a very oh. common disorder. It's okay. that common. And that common. Uh, and so if you look at, uh, you know, the World Stroke Organization in terms of stroke, you will realize that about uh, 13 million people develop strokes every year. So I, I like to say like it's like the city of Mumbai, you know, completely strokes out every year in the world. My so God. it's okay. a huge problem. And of these, unfortunately, you know, it's very unfortunate that about 5 million of them will die every year because of stroke. Okay. So it's a huge problem. You know, we think of COVID as a huge problem. And, you know, sometimes what happens for years and years, uh, we become, you know, sort of, uh, we are not aware of, uh, you know, this uh, stroke pandemic is, you know, continuously on 
for last Correct. hundreds and hundreds of years. So it is something that you need to be aware about. That is, uh, stroke is a big problem, and uh, and you know it's also that it's been uh, the because it's a little complex disorder. So you know awareness about it uh, remains low. Unlike a heart attack, you know heart right, attack right. is a simple disorder. Whereas right. stroke is a more complex disorder, so you need to really be aware about it. So let me just put those into maybe figures which Indian populations can understand. So you're saying 13 million—that is approximately 1.3 crore of people—will get a stroke every year, and about 50 lakh people will actually die from the stroke. So about 40% of the cases, you know, have a—it has a 40% mortality uh, in a you know person who's got a stroke. um that's a very very serious number i also wanted to so before we go further uh, how do we differentiate this from what we call as a tia or a transient ischemic attack um maybe you could just uh, explain that concept as well right i think this is a very important uh, difference which you have brought out uh, uh, dr sanjay you know correctly is that you know what happens is that uh, especially in an ischemic stroke what happens is that you know you can have a loss of speech and an arm leg function suddenly and then in an hours time uh, that patient can recover completely and and okay. and the by convention this is described as up to 24 hours but usually it will happen in an hour or two complete recovery and this is called a transient ischemic attack but uh, just to warn people very strongly is that you know transient symptom is not transient disease i mean right. and that these uh, transient ischemic patients uh, attack patients do get large strokes you know uh, you know within a week or within two weeks or even within okay. a month or two so they are at a very high risk of stroke so transient ischemic attack is as much as an emergency as a stroke and sometimes so it's almost we, like a it's yeah. almost like a warning sign for something much much more significant in the yes, near future it's it's a heart bringer it's like the you know the wuhan you know attack it's like okay. you know that this is going to go bad something it's is like, going to happen something right? is going to happen and that okay. this is a big warning of the future you know being bad the future being you know serious and critical because i think you know what happens sanjay is that lot of these patients will neglect this and not go to a doctor right and will sit at home and will sure. say because i recovered you know what's the point in going to a doctor i'm fine now and you know sure. their tendency to say that you know no it's a great point it's a it's a great point that if you do have transient symptoms as you said transient symptoms do not mean transient disease transient symptoms actually could be an impending bigger disease yes people should not ignore that that's a great great point that you mentioned dr hasan thank you for sharing that yes and as i was asking that i think ischemic strokes are much larger in number as compared to hemorrhagic strokes am i correct to say that in terms of the number of the the types of strokes ischemic strokes are more in number yes uh, by and large you know about 80% of strokes are ischemic and about 20% are hemorrhagic of right. them only 2 to 3% are the subarachnoid hemorrhages right understood okay and is it important from your perspective to know whether it's an ischemic stroke or whether it's a hemorrhagic stroke does your treatment change based on whether it's an ischemic stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke or that does not really matter to you no i i think it changes very dramatically 
in fact it okay. changes so dramatically because uh, that it is very critical to know that this is this an ischemic stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke so i okay. always tell my patients you know that when they tell me doc my father had a stroke or my uncle had a stroke you know i i tell them but what was the type of stroke was it ischemic or hemorrhagic and then you know they are little taken aback you know they they, they, they no one discussed this with them and i think sometimes right. it's unfortunate that we don't update our own people you know about ischemic versus hemorrhagic because the treatment uh, changes completely and uh, and it's a very so it different, is important so it is important to know what type of stroke it is yes very in fact critical to know right so you know as commonly people know that a stroke is equal to a paralytic attack but i'm sure there are so many other signs and symptoms that people may not be aware of so how should somebody identify either themselves or in somebody else that somebody is having a stroke what would be some of the telltale signs and symptoms that people should be aware of right uh, again this is very important because unless you recognize the devil uh, you are not going to act right and that's right. so i think recognition of the devil is one of the critical parts of our you know the stroke um, sort of stroke thinking and stroke campaigns so the recognition is very important so there is a there is a, a nice acronym called be fast b e f a s t okay so be fast is the acronym for stroke and i think you know it's very important that everyone remembers be fast uh, b stands for balance problems okay e stands for problems with the eye okay f stands for face problems problems with the face right a stands for arm which also includes the leg you know sure. so arm and leg problems right and right. s stands for speech right right and t stands for time that is rush in time so be fast is you know the sort of the overview of uh, stroke in terms of the recognition now as you correctly said you know sometimes the symptoms are quite overt are very you know like hard evidence obvious but sometimes yes. it's a soft evidence right right and right. the soft right. evidence is much more difficult to make out so but this is fantastic you know be fast not only tells you what to look for but also tells you how quickly to manage because that was going to be my next question that why is it so important that after you pick up a stroke that a person should be rushed to a medical facility why is it so important what is that you know why is it important to be fast actually that's the simple question maybe it's it's in fact yes as you said it's critical uh, to be fast uh, because you know your uh, your brain gets damaged over time and and this this time is you know so we like to say we we use a term called time is brain concept that, you know i like to use a little different term i say you know um, you, you know the patients and more so the relatives brain used in time and actually the doctor's brain also used in time right, is equal right. to the patient's brain saved in time sure nicely put very nicely put yes that that's a very important thing for you know so the relative the bystander the relative you know the right. son his brain used in time and of course the doctor's brain used in time well in the hospital are both critical to save the patient's brain in time Now maybe you could explain why is it so critical why is that you know time critical period so important to identify 
it's very important to identify that this time factor because you know if you get a blood vessel dab you know sort of blood vessel blocked in your brain so right now if i have a blood vessel blocked in my brain and i cannot speak properly you know uh, you know not right. because i'm scared of sanjay but i just can't speak i go ta ta pa 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 like that or my hand goes down my leg goes off or cannot walk or you know cannot write with my hand you know my brain is not instantly damaged completely there is right. a small area of brain damage it's called the core of brain damage and surrounding that is an area which is inactive but not damaged right and so this inactive part can be revived or so to say okay. you know resuscitated or you know brought back to life restored restored you know if you take your patient or your loved one to the hospital in time and so this is very important for us to emphasize that you know you need to rush to the hospital time so recognize the devil and then rush the devil to the right spot is very critical understood understood so just maybe digressing a little bit you know that we know in india that the healthcare burden is spread across the entire country where 60 to 70% of the population is in the rural setting and don't have access to quality healthcare whereas most of the quality healthcare is only in the urban setting so while people may be able to rush somebody with these signs and symptoms of stroke in an urban setting like a city is it because they don't have access to medical facility in the rural settings is that the reason why the outcome for stroke is much poorer in the rural setting because the quality of healthcare you know uh, provided in the rural setting is much weaker yes it, that is true but i think you know what's also true uh, is that uh, yes you do not have the facilities in the rural to to you know do imaging or to do uh, you know to do an angiography or to do you know these iv thrombolysis or mechanical clot retrieval you know or those sophisticated but you know even in the rural setting i think you know prevention can still be taken up well is not okay. necessary that the rural setting should you know that it's all uh, you know it's like it's just a facilities issue i don't think it's just a facilities issue i think it's also an issue of knowing and the awareness and awareness so even in the rural setting if you know even in the rural setting the blood pressures are better controlled the sugars are better controlled right. in fact the rural setting might be good for avoiding the sedentary lifestyle so maybe we could uh, some so maybe we could you know deep dive into that that uh, what are the risk factors you know associated with stroke and what can be done to reduce these risk factors maybe if you could just educate people on what are the underlying risk factors causing strokes yes i think you know the this risk factors issue is very important because it's a prevention and you know prevention is always uh, better uh, than cure of course you know very and, but it's longer than cure it's not it's not a short term thing like right. you know so prevention better than cure but much longer than cure and it needs much more awareness that's one of the key things you know which i think we should try to you know sort of get down to the rural areas this awareness so you know if you are over 50 or you know even if you are over 40 i would say you know please check your blood pressure you know even today while you are listening to me you know by the end of this you know if you have a bp machine please check your blood pressure if you haven't checked it for the last 6 months you know right. so definitely check your blood pressure so because you know blood pressure is a is a silent killer 
because it's a silent killer you know you can't make out your blood pressure you need to check it and then yeah. you you will have patients tell you sanjay that you know nothing happens to me so why should i check my blood pressure but uh, but i think it's very important to check your blood pressure and check your blood sugar and you know uh, check your cholesterol and uh, and of course you know avoid this sedentary lifestyle which i think the right. rural people can do much better than the urban the sedentary true, lifestyle true. issues avoid smoking you know alcohol uh, you know in in real moderation if at all and right. uh, and of course uh, you know obesity uh, to be avoided obesity. so these are the risk factors which i think you know contribute in a big way to stroke sure and sure okay no excellent and are there any underlying comorbidities like you said hypertension and diabetes definitely would be underlying comorbidities that predispose to stroke any other comorbidities that you know people should be aware of that predispose them or they are more likely to get a stroke then yes even heart attacks you know if patients have had a coronary artery disease they had you know some treatment for it or are aware that you know they have a heart attack they are much more prone for strokes so you know heart attacks also make you prone for strokes right, so it's right. uh, that's again a factor and if you have some rhythm disturbances of your heart you know so okay. if, if you have uh, we call it atrial fibrillation but you know in a simple right. term it's the heart you know going uh, you know goes normally you know boom boom irregular beating of the heart yeah suddenly going boom 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 you know irregularly might right. be a factor which you know you need to be aware of so someone sure. getting palpitations also or someone feeling that his heart is not beating properly should make his doctor aware that you know maybe i i am having some irregularity of my heart you know maybe check get me checked out or do an ecg i remember uh, hearing you speak about an app that you have developed or you are you you spoke about that everyone should download that app to assess whether you have a likelihood or a high risk for stroke could you maybe just elaborate on that a little bit more yes uh, there is an app uh, you know uh, which is called the stroke riskometer and okay. it is available on your phone you know on most of the androids and the iphone it's available on the net as well it, the stroke okay. riskometer is from the world stroke organization so you know just okay. to keep you aware that there is no there are no you know sort of uh, nothing attached to it in terms of sure Uh, so sure. it comes from the organization the world stroke organization so it's a very standard app which can tell you your stroke risk uh, so you know uh, so it's called the stroke riskometer so okay. uh, that i think you must all download and keep on your phone and check your stroke risk uh, and be aware that you know your stroke risk is low or moderate or high and okay. in this okay. same app uh, this thing i just wanted to make people aware that there's another app called the stroke sos The stroke SOS okay. app is a little different app. It's for people who have had a stroke and you know are having the stroke right now to know where to go. Because you know unfortunately okay. a large number of patients don't go to a proper hospital or a proper care center for stroke. And that's again an right. important. So I think download the stroke SOS app and the stroke riskometer. Okay. And is there a particular age limit age above which people should check and how frequently should they check? uh you know or is it for all ages i mean is there a particular sort of above the age of 40 above the age of 50 or you know all ages should do this 
in general actually you know uh, i mean stroke of course you know the uh, the risk rises with age we are very okay. much aware but stroke can happen from womb to tomb I mean, okay. we got not a womb to tomb disease so it can happen okay. in the womb of the mother also so it's not something that, but yes the incidence of stroke uh, is more after you cross 50s and 60s so uh, in general i think the awareness about stroke should remain high once you cross your 40s 50s and 60s but i think you know uh, in the, uh, the 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 awareness about stroke should remain in everyone in general but of course when you cross 40s 50s i think you really need to be aware about stroke and take take care i can i can relate to what you said dr hastak because just last week or 10 days ago uh, one of my daughter's colleagues in her office he's just 38 years old he developed a stroke and uh, we were all very surprised that at a young age of 38 uh, he developed a stroke so what you're saying is that there is no age limit for people to develop a stroke creating an awareness the earlier you create the awareness the better is the opportunity to become you know more aware to pick it up earlier and as you said be fast that's a you know great takeaway for all of us uh, you know i would like to uh, you know spend a little more time on the management because you have worked on this you know you have you have pioneered this hyper acute stroke management concept so maybe you could just you know sp- spend a little time explaining what exactly is that yes as as you once you understand the be fast acronym and re- remember be fast you know you you need to know that you know you you need to understand that you have to go to a proper hospital and i always put the underline the term proper and that's why i think the stroke sos app is very important by proper we mean a hospital which where the emergency is available uh, you know the neurologist is available and a neuro interventionist is available you know 24/7 365 right and uh, it should not be a hospital uh, you know and it should have the imaging facility available 24/7 365 as as you correctly said you know that you need to separate out the ischemic stroke from the hemorrhagic stroke and with complete degree of degree of certainty it can only be done by imaging i mean is it imaging is it ct scan or mri which one uh, do you recommend you know it can be either i mean uh, okay. both of them the ct scan is the workhorse and uh, so okay. it can be used for a stroke to separate the hemorrhage from the ischemic stroke completely okay. and so can the mri and okay. each has its little bit advantages and disadvantages but i think at a minimum the the hospital should have a ct scan right right and at a minimum it should have someone av- available you know a neurologist or a neuro neuro radiologist uh, and a neuro interventionist available interventionist 24/7 And sure, so sure. thing is very so important. So that would generally mean in a tertiary care hospital. Yes, it would be a tertiary care hospital. So I usually tell people that you know while you are listening to my talk, please look at a tertiary care hospital around you. I mean, Correct. identify you, your closest tertiary care hospital. Yes, within thirty minutes is what I tell people. You know, so if a person from you know because if from Borivali or from you know from Virar calls me. while i am at right. the global hospital parel i usually tell them you know you should go to an hospital close by i will tell you which are the hospitals close by sure so sure. you know so that they don't lose their hand leg trying to get to me in uh, in correct, global correct. hospital parel yeah so once the diagnosis is done what's the next i mean could you just share more on this hyper acute 
stroke yes. management yes so what happens is that once you diagnose that this is a stroke so you you separate a stroke from a non stroke first right. of all as a first process then once you know it's a stroke you look at the magnitude of the stroke so is it a mild stroke is it a moderate stroke is it a severe stroke you know and and then of course you uh, you you quickly decide that by the imaging that is this a hemorrhagic stroke or is this a ischemic stroke right so once you know it's an ischemic stroke and you know that this is a what is called as a potentially disabling stroke you know i just tell you a little story you know we had this 8 year old lady who came into us just about 2 weeks ago and you know right. my my junior saw this lady uh, she had lost her she had lost a mild speech disability and my residents of course checked her and said you know sir she doesn't seem to have much disability so we are not sure if this is a candidate where we would take up for aggressive treatment but i said no no just hold a second just make her walk and she could not walk and that would be a very potentially disabling right disorder so i told the residents don't look at her limb leg power see whether she is able to walk she couldn't walk right. so we knew this is potentially disabling we immediately did her ct scan which showed a stroke it was an ischemic stroke and we used a medicine called thrombolysis you know which is a type of clot bursting drug and she right. recovered completely okay so it's very, so it's very important for us to know that is this potentially disabling so if it's potentially disabling this has to be aggressively treated you know because there are Understood. scales and other things but you don't have to look at the scale you have to look at whether it's potentially disabling or non disabling and right. so you know so this iv thrombolysis thing can be done within the first four and a half hours okay and it cannot be done usually is not feasible beyond four and a half hours so that's why we say you know that you have to rush your patient where where also there's one more important thing don't wait for four and a half hours if you have diagnosed the patient at one hour so the earlier you come in the better right. your outcome from the stroke so you're saying the window of opportunity to have a good recovery is four and a half hours so be fast rush to a hospital and you know start the thrombolytic treatment within four and a half hours that has a great recovery yes, a greater chance of recovery yes the, the chances of recovery are 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 good in these now right. having said this there is another window which we, uh, we we are aware of and we need to make people aware of is the window of 24 hours okay now this is a new window this window has come in over just the last 4 to 5 years this window right. did not exist before 4 or 5 years before 4 okay. or 5 years only the 4 and 1/2 hours window existed and okay. before about 10 years only the 3 hour window existed okay and about 20 25 years ago there was no window only for stroke so you okay. know so okay. that is you know so that's how the windows are becoming bigger and bigger but which right. doesn't mean that you keep the patient at home for 24 hours and bring the patient to the hospital at correct correct it correct. means that you know you you still have some opportunity to treat your patient up to 24 hours but you need to try to bring the patient in as fast as possible you know this sure. way you know rapidly and uh, so you need to bring the patient in as fast but there is another window which i would like to make people aware which is the 24 hours window so can you explain little bit more about what is this 24 hour window yes this 24 hours window so you have a four and a half hours window which is for iv thrombolysis which is intravenous so you give the right. medicine through the vein the medicine goes and locks to your clot in the brain and it breaks the clot in the brain so the artery starts flowing back blood and the patient recovers right 
And in fact, we have seen this actually happen. You know, you give the medicine and the patient, you know, once the patient, we gave the medicine and the patient said, doctor, I can speak. Right. You know, right. so it can be that dramatic at times. And this is called the Lazarus effect or the, you right. know, what Christ did to Lazarus. He touched him and, you know, he, he awoke and he was, he became fully sure. normal. You know, so it's called the Lazarus right. effect. So nice. this is this, but you know, so but there is another window which is in twenty-four hours, and this twenty-four hours window is for mechanical clot retrieval, or thrombectomy, okay. which is called thrombectomy. So here, what we do is, provided of course the patient has a large artery block in his brain, it's an ischemic stroke right. number one. There's a large artery block in the brain, and the deficit is big. I mean, you won't do these heroic things for very mild deficits. Okay. So the deficit has to be big. You know, so if the deficit is big, you put in a you put put in a little guide wire through the groin, you know, which okay. goes up into the brain, and then you put in a catheter across the guide wire, and you remove the clot from the brain. Okay. And once you remove so the this, clot from the brain, the so blood. So through the femoral artery. Yes, it's through the femoral artery. Okay. So this is called mechanical clot retrieval or thrombectomy, and here is where you need the neuro interventionist or the neuro radiologist or the neuro intervention person. Right. Right. So I have a friend in KEM Hospital uh, and also in Lilawati, Uday Levai. Yes. Are you referring to people like him who yes. specializes in neuro yes. intervention? Yes, he is a, he is a, yes. This, this is the group which are called neuro interventions. So right. they intervene and they need to be. You mentioned mild, moderate and severe. Yeah. Uh, is mild, moderate and severe diagnosed based on uh, the the scan images or also it's a combination of the signs and symptoms? Yes, I think the uh, for mild, moderate, severe, it's the clinical part which is much more important. Because, okay, okay. because you know, you can you can have a very, you can have a large deficit. That means a person can't speak at all and hand, right hand leg gone and have a MRI or a CT show a small infarct. Okay. And in fact, that those are some of the patients who can be helped the maximum. Correct. Who are bad clinically and good radiologically. Okay. Who okay. are bad in the clinical part or the clinician says this patient is bad and the radiologist right. says this patient is good. Those okay. are the guys who can be helped maximally. Right, right. So the brain is not irreversibly damaged. So while it might appear mild from an imaging point of view, it will be severe from a clinical point of view. Yes, those are the ideal patients. From our point of view, they are the patients who will do best. And we also see other cases where it is uh, severe from a, a radiology point of view, but mild from uh, you know a, a clinical point of view, yes. Yes, we do see those as well. Those are very, very uh, rare. They usually, you know, you don't see them really. Because, you know, the radiological uh, picture is, is, is always more uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, more irreversible. Sure. And, and the clinical picture may be reversible. The clinical syndrome. Sure is more likely to be reversible. Whereas the radiological usually is not uh, that reversible. Um, sure, sure. So that's, um, yes. You mentioned about, you know, something which I wanted to read a statement to you and wondered your reaction that the number of stroke cases has been on the rise, not just in India, but across the globe, especially in developing countries. It is the second leading cause of death and fourth leading cause of disability worldwide, causing functional impairment with 20% of survivors requiring institutional care even after three months, 
and 15 to 30 percent being permanently disabled. Other than the economic loss and disabilities, the high incidence and prevalence of stroke has a massive impact on societal well-being as well. Uh, does this, you know, appear to be a correct statement? Yes, it's uh, it, it's true that you know stroke is a big problem, with uh, you know like a big problem with small awareness. You know, sure, it's, 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 it's that's absolutely true. What you what you have said is absolutely true, and I think it needs a big awareness. In fact, you know, when we started, uh, you know, when I started the stroke, uh, you know, uh, when I came back from my fellowship and started the stroke clinic and the stroke, right. uh, I mean, it was unknown. I think probably in India there were five dead people trained. So I think I, I think it's uh, uh, the purpose of this podcast is to actually create more awareness and you know and you know when people listen to experts like yourself, I'm sure uh, the awareness, especially with words like "be fast," you know, will make a huge impact in the way people appreciate stroke. I wanted to ask you that you know you mentioned that this window of four and a half hours has been gradually evolving from zero to three hours, to four and a half hours. Do you see this window increasing over a period of time? Do you see what's the future of, you know, this therapy for stroke? Is there an opportunity for us to increase this window in the near future? Yes, I think, you know, we always uh, feel that, you know, and I think we know all, uh, everyone who's worked in these, uh, in these areas of critical care feel that, you know, you need to, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, sort of something in especially in in stroke you need to have something that is neuroprotective yeah. you know okay so you can give an injection to this patient while he's got a stroke so he cannot speak his hand leg is gone you can give him an injection which will protect his brain while he's coming in the ambulance you know to you so the sure, ambulance sure. time might be one hour two hours three hours you know sometimes sure. you know, from the rural area he may take six hours to come to us so can you give sure, him an sure. injection which will freeze his brain you know, like uh, freezing him, uh, you know, free. this is also called a freezing, uh, the penumbra. I mean, the penumbra is a, is a term used, which I would not get into, but it's really freezing the brain in the same state that it is in at sure. that time. So it doesn't right. damage more over six hours. And it is, uh, it is restricting the progression. Yes. In fact, you feel like, you know, you can put that fellow's brain into the fridge for some time <laughs> while you're tra okay. while you're bringing him, you know okay. because you know if you lower the temperature of the brain the require right. oxygen requirement goes down i mean this is very okay. well known so, understood. But, understood. yeah understood so uh you know how is the long-term prognosis changed and you have been doing this for so long you know uh ha has the long-term prognosis improved do symptoms go away you know will things get back to normal What's been your experience on the long-term prognosis over years? Yes, so I think, you know, stroke, uh, we spoke about the short-term issues of stroke first, and then there was a right. long-term, you know, issues right. also of stroke, you know, similar to COVID, I guess. But, you know, the long-term issues of stroke are very, very morbid uh, because, you know, uh, the problems with stroke, you know, you you do have a large population, which is, uh, which is going to become... You know, sort of uh, invalid, bedridden, and you know, can't speak, can't move the hand leg, and um, you know, get severely disabled. So, right. but I, I think it's uh, over the years, I'm finding that you know, when we started and did our first thrombolysis 21 years ago, and uh, okay. you know, so the first patient 
we traumatized you know 21 years ago from that time i think things have changed quite a lot there's a lot of hope uh, for recovery now in the acute phase right. even in the long term there is hope for recovery and i think you know okay. lots of rehab techniques have also come in they've not penetrated uh, as well because of our issues of cost and you know uh, the um, infrastructure and cost but i'm right, sure right. things are you know moving uh, ahead or even in stroke and uh, we we will find you know uh, people uh, getting better and, and better okay. over time uh, there is hope but i think uh, you know uh, i still think that uh, prevention is the key absolutely no i completely agree with in stroke you. there is hope but i think prevention is still the key uh, you stroke. know in in stroke do you believe that that the risks of stroke have increased during the covid pandemic i mean your experience over the last one and a half years uh, has the incidence of stroke gone up or gone down any thoughts on how covid has played a role uh, do you find more people you know having stroke who have who have got covid because you know covid plays a big role with the clotting mechanism so your experience with covid and stroke you know unfortunately what has happened is that uh, you know covid has is is an unfortunate thing of course uh, but uh, what happens is that you know during the covid pandemic uh, we have realized things that are happening is one uh, people are uh, are sort of not coming to the hospital you know right so don't stay at home is the is the actually world stroke organizations you know this year's uh, sort of symbol so if you see that right. the world stroke day is going to be say you know don't stay at home don't stay at home oh, yeah right. so stroke don't stay at home so right. uh, i think you know this sort of emphasizes the fact that you know a large number of patients you know unfortunately i have seen them even on video tele uh, you know some of my patients have developed strokes while i am doing video tele with them and when i have told okay. them you know why don't you rush to the hospital you know your father is getting a stroke you know their first question is uh you know will the belly get covid when he comes to the hospital right sure, you know that's sure. the biggest fear they have i think you know this is an unfounded fear you know unfounded in the sense that you know probably of the last 1000 patients that we have admitted probably no i mean one or two have got covid and those guys were you know probably kidney transplant patients who went to 10 centers you know okay, okay. so i think you know this fear is unfounded and also remember that covid has only 2 to 3% mortality and stroke has a 20% mortality right and so you have you can compare a covid and a stroke you know in terms of outcomes yes covid sure. is very encompassing and can happen to everyone but so can stroke right you know like stroke doesn't happen to everyone stroke so yeah. it's, it's that's one thing and the second side i think you what you said is yes uh you, we are seeing covid uh, you know actually getting into stroke in the first one week 7 to 10 days and they have a high tendency to clot in their as you said they are what we call right. as procoagulant state because of inflammation and yeah, and also uh, they tend to have heart problems also you know because their covid involves the heart as well and so covid is actually not just a lung disease i think it's a it's a brain uh you know brain lung brain heart and intestinal disease you know right. in a general multi organ yeah it's a multi-organ multi-organ disease in some sense so it is a general disease and, and probably the virus involves the arteries as well uh, there is not much of evidence to it right now but uh, probably right. i think the evidence is strong for it to be a procoagulant or a clotting uh, 
you know, increases the clotting in the blood and of course can lead to stroke and heart attacks. There was also some fear about vaccination, you know, some patients with vaccination developing clots. Has that been any experience? Do you have any experience like that? You know, after vaccination, has anyone come to you with a clotting problem? You know, yeah. It's honestly today also I, I saw a patient who had taken a vaccine and you know got a stroke. But you know the stroke was after seven days post vaccine. Okay. Usually the vaccine related strokes will be within 24, 48, 72 hours. We've had a couple of patients you know who had right. that. But in general, I think you know uh, vaccination is very safe because if you do a procedure to millions of people. You know, right. and if you have a one in four chance of getting a stroke, I mean, you know, you, right. then, you know, you're essentially going to have some people with stroke uh, and some people Absolutely. with, so, so it's like the I denominator mean, is huge. Yeah, it's, so it's not a, you know, cause effect. It's not a cause and effect relationship. You're right. Yeah, that, uh, mm-hmm. that, you know. It's that, not an easy cause and effect Because I got vaccinated, I got a stroke because I could anyways have got a stroke even if I was not vaccinated. Yes, I think the Absolutely. cause and effect should not be taken as very superficial because it's True. like, you know, then everyone is diabetic. Then you will say, you know, then di- stroke, you know, the diabetes is always leading to a stroke. But then I don't <laughs> correct, think so, correct. you know. I think true. True. we would link very true. Very ev- true. everything to Sardi Khasi, you know. Correct. <laughs> because half the world is has been broken. So I think very no, difficult to put the cause. No, this yeah. has been such a insightful conversation. But before I end, I want to ask you. So the purpose of this podcast, Dr. Hastak, is to create awareness about the health burden that we face in our country. And we know that stroke is a huge burden that 25% of the population is at risk of getting a stroke and with very high mortality in that. Uh, so the we hope that you know with this podcast and creating more awareness, people will download the app. People will be fast, and I think uh, create as you said, prevention is better than cure, and that's what we hope to create. But I wanted to ask you one question about yourself: that how do you plan to unburden your own health this year? Is there any special thing that you are doing to take care of your own health? Yeah, you know, interestingly, uh, Sanjay. Uh, COVID has, you know, sort of changed everyone's life and it has changed some things for the better as well. I mean, some things has changed for the worse. Right. I mean, I I can't see, sit with you and, you know, have a dinner or, you know, think, but that is the one negative side of COVID. But the positive side of COVID also exists. And the positive side is that we've all become more introspective. We look at our own life more carefully than we did in the past, sure. you know. In the past, the whole world sure. was more visible. Now the whole world is less visible and probably partly invisible. Right. But you look at yourself more carefully. And so, you know, I've started looking at myself more carefully. You know, I exercise every day, 30 minutes, you know, use my uh, terrace very regularly to take that 30 minutes walk right. every day, which I wasn't doing, honestly, regularly before pre-COVID. Right. And, you know, uh, so I look at that, then I look at my lifestyle, you know, I've started uh, learning uh, music and, you know, I try to sing and, you know, one of the best things that I would recommend to people is, you know, learn music. Uh, You know, we are all, basically we we all, and this is just my, uh, you know, thinking, we are all uh, good at music. I don't think anyone in this world is bad at music. The only problem that we face is that we have sort of, you know, made this line, you know, between a singer and a non-singer and between a, you know, 
you know so, so dr sanjay arora is also a great singer and yeah. i'm i'm pretty sure that i'm not that i'm not too sure but anyway we'll keep <laughs> no, that for another discussion i'm very sure <laughs> the, you know if you how did this you know how did this idea come in to my brain was there's a very nice little story which i can share with people please, please. how you can change your thinking you know there's this one psychiatrist and he was studying all the uh, he was studying a tribe in in africa and while he was studying this tribe in africa this is a true story so you know you can see it on go you can google it and check it this this psychiatrist goes to this tribe in africa and spends you know 3 years of his life with them studying them and while he is right. leaving the tribe and this tribe has not much connection with the rest of the world so while he is leaving this tribe you know they give him a party and there's a lovely party with everything going on and you know uh, dance music everything and everyone is singing you know and this guy is not singing so they say you know sing you know what's wrong with you sing so this guy says i can't sing so what's wrong with you why can't you sing you can speak you can do everything else so right. you can sing and and sure enough this idea is that we culturally block ourselves true so true we culturally block ourselves we say i'm not saying that everyone is um, kishore kumar or mohammed rafi i'm not saying that i'm saying everyone is intrinsically a singer all that he has to do is to he has to break the cultural barrier he said you know oh, my absolutely. cultural barrier is broken because said everyone in this tribe sings there's no <laughs> such thing as a guy who no, i like that, speak, that you can talk, sing you can sing <laughs> <laughs> that's so i have a, i have a small, i have a small anecdote myself that uh, you know i i used to have a speech problem of stammering quite a bit and i had this group of friends who also used to stammer but the very interesting thing is whenever a person who's stammering starts singing they sing without any stuttering at all they just sing effortlessly so in fact singing becomes like a therapy for people who have a stammering or a stuttering problem so absolutely but thank you for reminding me that thank absolutely. you so much for that absolutely said yeah absolutely so, i agree with you no 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 great great this has been a wonderful wonderful insightful session thank you so much for giving us your time this afternoon and that's a wrap for our episode today thank you so much for listening new episodes are out every alternate tuesday if you like this episode don't forget to subscribe to our show you can listen to our show on all major podcasting platforms like google podcast apple podcast and wherever you listen to your podcast form if you are an apple or an ios user you can share your ratings and reviews on the apple podcast app if you have any questions related to health or would like to share your feedback you can reach me on my social media handles at dr sanjay arora on linkedin and facebook and dr_sanjay arora on instagram